Hello, welcome to Clout and Blue. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined this afternoon by John Townley, back from the US on a terrible sleep schedule, John. I'm trying to work with you over the last couple of days and it's not getting out of bed till after midday and it's making my life very difficult. Um, but I understand jet lag is <laughs> annoying to deal with. Uh, how are you besides tired? I feel like I'm back at uni again. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing well, thank you. I am tired. I probably look tired as well. Um, but I'm enjoying it. The season's a week away now. Valencia on Saturday. Pre-season's nearly done. I think Villa are in a really good place as well. So really excited for the season ahead. And just to clarify, for your sleep schedule more than anything else, you're not at Valencia, are you? You're not going? No, not going to Valencia. It's only the one okay. game. So we thought, because we've done the USA, we, I've been a bit of everywhere. So um, yeah, just going to cover that one from home. It's Newcastle, which might as well be in Scotland. So, you know. <laughs> So obviously we're here to talk today about Aston Villa versus Lazio at the best got uh, a great a great result as much as we don't kind of really care about results in pre-season. 3-0 against a very good Serie A side. I think that was second last season. So we'll be in next year's Champions League as well. And by all accounts, they started with at least a pretty strong side as well. So the further you get into the pre-season, the more you can take from the games because you're playing against better opposition and you're nearer the start of your season. So as much as we were saying for the Warsaw pre-season game a few weeks ago, oh, it's kind of irrelevant, it doesn't matter. The further you get into it, it does start to matter a little bit and that, that is a really good result. Just before we get into that, we won't be doing a, a podcast for Valencia because like you said, you're covering it from home so you'll be very busy doing your usual match day stuff. It's an 8pm kickoff. We're both off on Sunday and our next show is planned to be Monday which is the Conference League draw which has kind of come, come out of nowhere for the playoff rounds. So, um, It'll be today we're doing this and then Monday will be our next show. So we're going to talk about pre-season as a bit of a, a wider topic here um, and hopefully this podcast doesn't kind of go out of date once Valencia kicks off tomorrow night. It's still kind of the general talking points of, of the of the season. A strong side for Villa as well that, that kicked off last night. Um, yeah. Yuri Tielemans looking very good. John McGinn scoring a worldie if it was deflected. Still still a nice goal. Uh, the penalty conundrum is something we're going to talk about. Who, who is our penalty taker? Philippe Coutinho looks sharp, which to me is a little bit of a bonus. The kind of three centre-halves with Paul Torres playing off, off the left-back and building up as a three in possession is very interesting. Uh, so loads of little different talking points that we're going to get into. But first of all, you were at Bescott last night. So do you want to kind of give me your general uh, thoughts on the game as an overall first? Another game which they controlled. And I was thinking as well, we've obviously played uh, Walsall now, a lower league team. We've played Newcastle, a good Premier League team. You've played Fulham, Brentford, who both have different styles. And Lazio is um, obviously another style as well, being an, being an Italian team. Villa are going to be playing in the Conference League. So I think it was a good test because it's a different opposition. However, they didn't really turn up Lazio unless Villa were just so good and like they overrun them in midfield they were far too good for them uh, across the pitch and I don't remember Chiro Immobile getting a touch of the ball apart from when uh, Ezri Konza beat him in a foot race and then knocked him off balance and won a foul anyway so probably the credit goes to Villa on that one and I know Lazio are a week behind Villa in their preparations because they're season starts a week after Villa's does. Really impressive from Villa. I think at this stage in pre-season, as you say, then yes, we have one more game remaining, but we are a week before the season kicks off. So what we're going to see against uh, Lazio is going to be very similar against Valencia in terms of patterns of play and um, where we're at in terms of fitness. 3-0 didn't flatter Villa at all. There was a period in the first half for about seven or eight minutes, which doesn't sound like a long time, but 
it was we were bombarding their goal. Um, and in the second half as well, they didn't want to be there. Uh, apart from yeah. the fans, yeah, the Lazio fans were class though. But I suppose if you're going to come all the way to the best got, you would. Um, <laughs> I wonder how fun. the Lazio fans found the best got in the experience of being in Warsaw. It's a, bit of a, a bit of a culture change. Yeah, there was five or six journalists as well that I presume were um, oh, right, okay. Lazio contingent and. They looked a little bit lost in the press box as well because it's not a big press box and probably a, a good experience for them anyway to go to a lower league ground um, in England. But no, really a positive performance from Villa. Nice to see lots of different players get minutes as well. I thought Emery might have given 90 minutes or so to you know seven or eight players and then against Valencia, given uh, seven or eight players 90 minutes as well that didn't play against. Hmm. That's still be pretty much changed it all at half-time, which I thought was interesting. So against Valencia we'll probably be seeing the same thing maybe or the full 90 for the squad that or the 11 that he thinks will be playing against Newcastle I'm not yeah. sure yet I think that's the only thing that I'm um it's not really a concern but I don't think we've seen 11 players on the pitch for 80 90 minutes that we know we're going to play against Newcastle we've seen different back threes or back fours, however you want to look at it. We've seen different midfields, different combinations, which is great. But I think Valencia, I would like to see a set 11 on the pitch just ahead of Newcastle, who I don't think you want to go going into that game, which will be a cauldron at St. James's Park. And we're kind of, um, or players are playing in ways that they might not have played hmm. too much. Do you know what I mean? That They might not have played with their central centre-half and Paltos might not have played with Mings for too long. And I don't know. You don't want to go in the first game with the players thinking um, or not having an experience of playing exactly how they would against Newcastle. I don't quite know how to say it, but I think you know what I'm I know what you say. mean, but I, I do feel it's, it's slightly different of... with Emery as well because that whoever plays, they almost it's almost just a yeah. plug and play that they know the system, they understand it. But I know you, you know if you're gonna play Conson, Mings and, and Torres as a you know auxiliary back three, back four, hybrid, whatever it is, you want them to have played eighty minutes together or, or whatever yes. to kind of get a, a rhythm and a, an understanding. As much as they'll understand what Emery wants them to do, it's that kind of just physical thing of having time with each other that they probably yeah. haven't quite had just yet. Hopefully against Valencia, that's what we see, and that's not a negative point. That's just me talking out loud because uh, there's been a lot of chop and change. But at the same time, it's a good thing because no one's looked out of place and they haven't been exactly, playing. Yeah. They, they have been playing sorry with different partnerships, so that proves your point, Dan. That they're all aware of what they need to do. It's just that when you're in an an intense Premier League game against a very good team. Yes, we've already played them in America, but it's going to be totally different in Newcastle. Mm. Yeah, really positive. I think we are probably one of three or four Premier League teams that are probably going to hit the season, knowing exactly who they are, where they are in terms of um, in terms of fitness, in terms of tactics. They know what the manager wants and they've got the players through the door as well. So we're in a really good place. And looking back on seasons previously, I think we are this is as good as it gets in terms of preparations for a new um, a new campaign. Yeah, and it feels different. And I don't really know how to describe it because a lot, obviously, a lot of the games have been kicking off in America, so it's a different kind of feeling. You don't, you maybe not with it as much as you would be as if you played five or six games in England or you know one in France or things that we've done in previous seasons. We've had good pre seasons in the past where you win three out of four or whatever, and you start the season and you you maybe lose the opening game. You think. Well, all that was for, for nothing, kind of thing. And again, we couldn't we could lose the Newcastle game, and I wouldn't feel that same way that it was all a waste of time. But we have had that in the past because it's Unai Emery's first preseason with Villa. You can just it's it is strange because when we did that first Warsaw podcast, I said I'm not really that bothered about preseason. Like it's just for fitness. 
And I, I was wrong when I said that because it's different for Emery. It's about learning. It's uh, You can see that we're trying things and that's just my inexperience of having a proper manager at Villa because I didn't really understand that's what it was going to be about. I just thought it's for fitness, it's for minutes. Emery's serious about it now. He wants them to be better and better as each week goes by in pre-season. He wants to trial different things. He wants to play players in different positions. So whilst I understand your point that for Valencia, I mean, it's only two days break between Lazio and Valencia. And we thought maybe in the back end of the America tour that we'd kind of split the squad and do one half plays 90 minutes against Valencia and the other half plays 90 minutes against Lazio. And that wasn't the case. So you'd expect the full first team to go over to Valencia and again play play the same kind of splits of... 60, 70 minutes and then some changes. But that's interesting too. I mean, I don't know whether other Villa fans kind of feel the same way that they weren't really bothered about pre-season. But having seen Emery do one, it's like, okay, well, I kind of get it now. Like, we're trying to learn new things and, and tweak tactical styles, which we haven't seen previous Villa managers do. It was just all about fitness before. Am I just thick in saying that? Or do you kind no, of feel no, the no. same way? I, obviously, tactics and embedding new things, and that is a key part. But I didn't expect him to change the system that we're going to be playing and I know it's only a back three in possession which might sound quite minor but it's a huge adaptation to what Villa were doing last season and it's a lot to learn as well because that changes how the midfielders receive the ball it changes the angles in which the fullbacks are you know that's why we bought Paul Torres and at the time we were all thinking oh it's because um, he just wants to add more competition and now you have two left footers two right footers but you look at it now and you're thinking, well, Pau Torres will play on off the left in terms of a back three when we're building up. You presume Tyron Mings will stay in the middle as a central centre-back, so you can have your two left-footers there. And then as Reconcer, to me, it looks like a shoe-in playing off the right because he's so comfortable with the ball. It, hmm. It's not necessarily a progressive concert, but he, he's just so relaxed and he rarely gives it away. Often last season, he'd be putting up like 96% passing accuracy in games. Again, not necessarily pushing it through the thirds, but in that role, you just need to retain it and let Torres push through and almost become a midfielder at points. So um, I I didn't expect those big changes. I thought he'd just be relaying information and adding little bits here and there, uh, bringing in new signings to make a difference in, um, you know, over the course of the season. So I wasn't expecting as big a change as what's happened, but it looks really exciting. Again, Villa are playing, are playing it well. There doesn't seem to be too many um, teething issues with it. Obviously, Villa have conceded a few goals. Um, Newcastle, we conceded three. And Brentford, we conceded three. But I think if you look in the Newcastle game for a start, that was our second game, our first game with most of our players. Obviously, also we, we were missing the vast majority of the team. Yeah. And against Brentford, the goals that they scored, you know, one of them was a peach from the silver the other two, I think, were avoidable at stages. The ball over the yeah. top. Those things will be ironed out. And I've said it before, I think, for Villa, they're making opportunities, they're creating chances, they're getting players in the right positions. The goals that we're scoring aren't, I don't know how to say it, but they're, you can tell what Villa are doing. That There's a build-up there and there's there's a reason for the for those attacks. I spoke to Emery after the game in Brentford and I said that you're not just keeping the ball for the, you know, for the sake of it. There's a... Mm. There's a, you know, there's, there's there's a purpose to it. Your players know where they need to be in the final third, and sometimes Villa will have five or six players like around the box, but they're all in space and they're all making angles for each other. Diaby's dropping short or going in behind. So is McGinn. They're working off each other. It's not just they're standing there and hoping that the ball's going to fall to them. Like they're creating space for themselves. Yeah, yesterday Callum Chambers, you know, hoofed. He didn't hoof it in the box, but <laughs> it looked like a hoof in the box. Um, 
at one point, but then you've got Emi Buendia standing there and he works an angle, puts his back into the defender, makes space for himself and then on another, on another day could have scored um, with his left foot. So Villa are very dangerous going forward. Yeah. Equally, you'd hope that they're going to be as solid as what they were last season uh, from a defensive point of view, from a defensive point of view as well. Um, but in, in terms of in possession and how Emery wants it to look, how he wants Villa to uh, control games, that's that's the main positive for me over pre-season that, you know, we're bringing in a new system and we are controlling games. We're keeping possession well and we're making angles for um, passes. And that's, you know, the midfield as well that we've got two is, is top draw. Yeah, we're going to do our proper like big season preview show next week that will come out before obviously the season opener against Newcastle, probably next midweek that will come out. I've never been, again, what I've just said about like we've had good, good pre-seasons in the past where you win a few games. I've never been this excited about the start of a Premier League season than I am for this one, just because just because of Emery and the way we play. We're always exciting to watch, we're fun to watch and I think Emery from neutrals who haven't watched Villa and didn't really pay attention last season think Emery's a defensive manager. We'll see these, this low block of a six or whatever because the wingers will drop back in it and we're back six. Oh, very negative Aston Villa. They've nicked that result there. That's not the case. Like, Villa will be fun this year and I think you, what you say there about Villa score goals and concede goals will be true and Emery will certainly want to iron out that we stop conceding as many goals as the season progresses. But as we sit here now on, on the 4th of August... Villa will score goals and I think they'll concede a decent amount of goals at least to begin with as they settle into this this kind of back three. Well, there is a difference obviously between pre-season and the proper stuff but Villa will definitely score goals and are dangerous going forward and it goes back to possibly the John McKenzie episode we did about the tactical side of Emery when he first joined about like the repeatable actions of going forward that these patterns apply that they're playing this way because they can be consistent in their attacks and do the kind of the same things all the time and we see that every week now that oh, that's that little move that Villa do. Like, that's how they unlock a defence there. Like, it's nice to see that kind of repeatability. I feel like there's a little bit, I don't know how to describe this if I'm saying this in kind of the right technical or tactical way or whatever. But it feels like there's more kind of verticality to Villa. <laughs> there's a lot playing straightforward down the pitch. You say a lot pinging little triangles and, and making space for themselves. Every so often in pre-season at least, they have had this kind of long vertical ball like the Tielemans one for, for Watkins for the assist last night. Kamara did it in the Fulham game, I think, maybe, for the Archer penalty. Tielemans again did another, you know what I mean? Not like a long, like you said about Chambers, not a long who forward, but like a direct straight down the pitch kind of through ball from deep. I feel like we've done that more so in pre-season than we did last. That's probably a cum- accumulation of different things. Um, you know, space afforded because the wingers are uh, dropping into different pockets, allowing Ollie Watkins to run run uh, around the defence and you've got the players who can pick those passes now, haven't you? Douglas Louise, Jerry <laughs> Tielemans, Bubikar Kamara. It's mental to think that. You don't even have to mention midfielders. There's, your centre-halves can do it. There's so much quality in Villa's team that I, those variations of passes and those runs that can be made by the forwards. Uh, and again, the intelligence of the players around Ollie Watkins not to swarm him and to stay in their own space and make their own chances. I think that's important as well because there seems to be a lot of quality on the pitch for Villa and there's a lot of players that can make an impact, yet there doesn't seem to be a point in which Villa are all crowded together. Do you know what I mean? There's always there's a method to it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Under Steven Gerrard, I suppose you could say. But Villa had quite a lot of quality on the pitch, but there wasn't really an idea of how they were fitting in 
or are we playing two up front today? Are we is, what's Danny Ings or Ronnie Watkins doing? Like, well, what's the plan here? That sort of thing. Under Emery, as we all know it, I don't, you know, it's not a point that has to be made necessarily. But each one of those players has their job and they know what's going to happen. And they also know what their teammates are doing as well. So mm. that's the benefit of having those long meetings and post match reviews as well. So, yeah, Villa are in a really good place. And what you mentioned there, Dan, about different sort of patterns of play, that's all coming together. And we've had about a month of pre-season now or so, or not even that much, sorry, two or three weeks of pre-season and the, the new players already seem to have um, taken on board whatever he wants. So I don't doubt that after the start of the season as well, Villa will continue to progress because this is only, as I say, a fortnight or so of, um, of practice under Emery for some of them or for some of them doing uh, working in a new system, i.e. Mings and Concer. Mm. Uh, I mean, Villa were defending sometimes as a back three or playing in a back three at points last season, but building from the back and doing that every game at every moment, that that is a big change. Uh, and as I say, for the midfielders as well, like Kamara's taking the ball from different um, from different angles. When Villa build up from the goalkeeper, Kamara might not drop in as he did previously. We don't know. I haven't really seen that yet and how that's going to work in the Premier League. And things will change as well because tweaks will have to be made too. Really pleased with what with what we've seen so far. Quickly wanted to highlight Yuri Tielemans as well. I'll, I'll, normally when we do these kind of post-match shows, we said this season they're going to be 25, 30 minutes. But as we're not doing a Valencia one, I want this to be a kind of a wider look at pre-season rather than just the Lazio game. Tielemans looks like he could be one of the signings of the summer for the Premier League, never mind just for Aston Villa. I know there's kind of the caveat that it's a free transfer, so it looks better, but we'll have paid big wages and big agent fees and all those kind of things. But it's still a free transfer. We've not paid 30, 40 million for him. I dread to think if Yuri Tiemann's has been relegated with Leicester, he's got two or three years left on his deal, how much they'd be asking for him. Because I saw someone this morning put like Villa's midfield, like John McGinn, 2 million, Douglas Louise, 15, then Kamara, free, Tiemann's free, Jack Ramsey, academy graduate, I think transfermarket.com has got their squad value to be like 140 million or something. That's it well like, value. Exactly. That's what I thought. Tielemans I got has, has been worth 20 million. Is his market yeah, I don't, value? I don't understand yeah. the transfer transfer values at all. They no, I don't. Some of them look massive. Right? Some are way off. Like Tielemans, yeah, if he's got two or three years left on his deal, Leicester are asking for 50 million easy. Like yeah. he's a very good footballer, and I knew he was good, and he pops up every so often. If you're not watching Leicester week in week out he'll score a banger and you go, Tiedemann is a, is a nice, tidy footballer. Like he's, he's a good, he has good output as well. I never quite realised how intelligent of a footballer he was. And I think we spoke about this in one of the, the USA games, but he looks a level above what I expected him to be. I mean, yes, I totally agree. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't know how the dynamic's going to work between him, Kamara and Louise. Again, it, it they'll all play. I'm not trying to spin this into a negative whatsoever. I think it's a massive positive that Villa have all these options. But if you play all three, then what happens to John McGinn? What happens to Diaby? What happens to Jacob Ramsey when he comes back? You've got Ollie Watkins too. You've got fullbacks. There's there's so much. Wendy, Bailey. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a massive positive. And I'm not trying to spin it into a negative, but I just mean in terms of uh, one of the signings of the summer. I, yes, I don't doubt it is because it gives you a little depth. Um, but I don't know if he'll be playing every game. I'd love him to do that, but then that's the expense of someone else. It's the same for Louise. Louise has to play every game, or most of them. Same as Kamara, he has to play every game because he's the ball winner. But you look at Tielemans and think, well, he has to play because he's that good. This was the next point I was going to go through. I was watching a, a Who Scored preview with Dan Bardell and, and Martin Lawrence, and they were talking about who is like a definite starter for Villa. I think I think Martin got it down to five players who are like a guarantee to start every single game. Martinez yeah. and Watkins were two off the top of my head. 
Mings and Torres, Martin being the other two, and then the other one was the midfield. And Martin went with Douglas Louise. He's the one who's guaranteed to play. I think I agree. I think if we're going back 12 months ago and Kamara signed on a free and the way he impacted the side under, I mean, it's only a year ago that Gerald was here, which is mad. It feels like ages ago. But when we were first playing there, it was like Kamara is massively important to what Villa do here. Without him, we really struggle. And I get that. I kind of still agree to an extent. I, I but if you had to pick one midfielder out of those three who has to play, I would go with Louise now. I think Louise is more important to us than Kamara is. That's so, really difficult. It's, it's very, very difficult. difficult. You, you know, I'll say Louise is, I think, is probably our best player. Kamara is our only natural ball winner. And yes, we're playing in a different way, but I think we'll realise how important Kamara is still mm. once yeah. we play Newcastle, once we play even Burnley away. Like, Kamara is extremely important still. So I, I almost put him in as a default, like, you're in because you are the only one that can do that job. I know Louise and Tielemans between them could probably do it, but I want that midfielder in the middle of the pitch who's going to win the ball back and nip in. Against Lazio, some of the stuff he was doing that isn't particularly... Much up on the highlights reels. Yes, exactly that. But he'd just nip in, he'd win the ball back, and that allows Tielemans to then play and do his yeah, thing yeah. without Kamara winning that ball. Mm. Possibly half the passes that Tielemans pulled off yesterday. We don't see. Um, so for me, Kamara starts. We should do that ourselves. So I'd say Martinez, obviously. I think, I think we'll have this conversation when we do our proper okay. video next I'll week to be honest. Save it for But the overall point is that we have so many options. And again, I don't want to turn that into a negative whatsoever. It's a huge positive that I'm sitting here saying, I don't know if Telemans is going to play that many games or... I, I mean, yes, he will, but... <laughs> but he's not going to start 45 games. John McGinn, for me, you have to start every game. Diaby, you probably have to start every game. Watkins, you have to start every game. So there's three. Um, <laughs> it's Kamara, difficult. You have to play. You, there's loads of options, but I just I'm not I'm not set on Tielemans, Louise, and Kamara all playing in, in in the same game because if that happens, then someone else is taken out. Yes, it could happen on the 60th minute or something. I don't know. Um, you know, Villa are going to change their way, the way that they play during games as well. So that that's why it's so important. But I just mean starting from the off. But there's a lot of talk in football recently about starters and finishers. The, who starts the game and who finishes yeah, yeah, yeah. the game. It's two very different roles now yeah, that Tielemans why... might start 30 games, let's say. But if Jacob Ramsey comes on, I mean, the thought of Jacob Ramsey not starting games sounds mad, but if Jacob Ramsey comes on to finish those 30 games and he makes an impact and scores the winner or whatever, the system works, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. As long as Villa are successful at the end of the season and have achieved something, it won't really matter who's that's, done their role to get there. But the I understand the point of it seems like a mad amount of squad depth. But if you look at our bench now and the options we can make, like the, the seven changes Villa made at, at half-time or, or yeah. just after yesterday, really it was like, I don't know who they were off the top of my head, but Coutinho, McGinn. Chambers maybe, McGinn, whoever it was. Yeah. When Villa did the tweet of like, off, blah, 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 on, blah, blah, blah. I was like, both of those sevens could all be first team like, players that start the game. Like they all look, yeah, yeah. maybe a couple of them are, would be on the fringes. But I saw somebody post this morning. Apologies, by the way, that I'm all over the place this afternoon. Somebody posted our starting 11 for the first game back in the Premier League in 2019. It was like El Ghazi, Trezeguet, Bjorn Engels, Matt Target. And it was like, we've come a long way. I know we say this almost every year now. We've come a long way in a pretty short space of time. But even from this season to last season, 12 months ago, Gerard Ball to Emery Ball and the changes that we've made, the improvements to some of the players that were already here and the three new signings that we've we've added as well. I think Villa are a, a serious contender to do something this year. 
And I don't know what I mean by that yet. I don't know whether that means <laughs> a Champions League place, a Europa League place, an FA Cup win, whatever it is. I think we'll be underestimated by a lot of the, the rest of the Premier League. Like when the national media and match of the day or whoever are doing their kind of like pre-season predictions. I don't think Villa will be anywhere near the kind of top six, top seven. So I think they'll just say, they've got Europe, so they're going to drop off a little bit now. Because they'll say, Chelsea have got Pochettino now and, and Postacoglu is going to do a great job at Spurs. And they'll, they'll be better this year. I, I think that a lot of people just automatically write Villa off and say, oh, they had a good back end of 2023, but they won't be able to keep that up. I think we'll be massively yeah. underestimated. And I, I think... Like I said, I'll say this again on Wednesday. I think we'll do something this year. I think we'll win something or, or qualify for a certain competition and, and go down as a very, very good season. If we didn't have European football, I'd put my cards on the table right now and say we would finish in the top six. And I wouldn't doubt that because of how well we were, how good we were last season and the depth we have and the depth we have now. But I just do think there is that side of me that does think, well, we don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, if we get to the quarterfinals of the Conference League, which I think is a massive possibility, and and you know push on from there, those final five or six games of the season, or maybe it's even more, we won't be as a hundred percent as what we would have been if we didn't have them. And I don't think I'm being negative in saying that we have loads of squad depth. We really do, but. I but do. is that squad depth not the answer to that, though? That if, for example, we get to that latter stage of the season and team hasn't played much, yeah. he then comes in and be uh, and becomes the Europa Conference League man, and those are his yeah, games yeah. back into that it's tournament. Been, yeah, I'm, I, it's just devil's advocate. I, I'm only saying it because I don't know. We, we could, it could be fantastic. And Taylor and Coutinho could even win us the Conference yeah. League. You know, that's yeah. the sort of depth we're having at the moment. And if every player plays to their strengths we could probably do fine in the league and win the conference league and that's great but it's just because we've we haven't been in this position before emery has I just don't know how it's going to emery has yes but the players a lot of those players haven't i just think we don't know how it's going to go yet so i can't sit here and say yeah villa will finish 5th and win the conference league because that would be an almighty season like seriously and yes we could do it i just don't want to go on record and say that that's exactly what's going to happen I, I think Villa can finish top seven and win the Conference League, and that'll be a brilliant season. I think if we finish top 10 and win the Conference League, I think that'll be a good season. Yes, we have squad depth, but injuries happen in a campaign. Mm, Players lose confidence. Like things, again, just being devil's advocate, I'm not trying to be negative or spin mm, negative. Yeah. I'm just negative Villa need to, Villa need to um, level their expectations as well going into the season. If we're thinking, okay, well, only Man City have got more points than us, uh, and the players won't do this, or Emery won't do this either, but I just you know, uh, City have only got more points than this in 2023. And then all of a sudden, or, sorry, all of a sudden we lose a couple of games and it's like, oh, what, what happened to depth? Why didn't we buy another striker? Well, mm. It's a long season. Look look how far, sorry, we we had 13 games under Gerrard, didn't we? And that mm-hmm. that was a long time. <laughs> it's it's going to be a long campaign. We're going to have a lot more games. It's a lot more meetings with Emery, which, which on the face of it sounds good, but how will the players adapt to that? We, you know, we don't know yet. I'm sure it'll be fine, but while we're not certain that Villa will be finishing in the top six and win the Conference League, I'm not going to say that's going to happen. It could happen, yes, but the players will just be aiming to win every, uh, you know, the next game that they play, and then we'll see where yeah. Villa end up. But honestly, if we get to a semi-final of that Conference League, we know the players will know how much pressure there's on it for them to win it. We'll be going all out for those competitions, and I think that's only normal. It's not a negative on anything. I just 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 being honest so some of that also is down to the fact that they are cup competitions and there is the element of who you get in the draw that i don't know who the best team on paper is now in the conference league but if you get them in the quarter final and they beat well yeah probably are, whoever the second best is if you get them in the quarter final and they knock you out 
that's game over. You get Man City in the yeah, fifth round of the FA Cup, that's game over. Yeah. And then you go, okay, we're out of those now, off to the league, top three we come. Yeah, this, I can see us going deep in the Conference League because I think unless a couple of good teams come out of the Europa League, mm. we should be going deep in that competition. We're one of the favourites, of course, yeah. We should be, and yeah. But again, like Villa can absolutely do everything that people say. Well, most Villa fans will say that they can do, and I'm, I'm in agreement. We can finish top six and win the Conference League. We absolutely can. But I just don't know if we'll have it in us towards the end of the season when it, you know, we would have played so many games by then. Um, so I just don't know how it's going to play out. But if we can finish, if we can get European football for the next season, then that's that's an accomplishment for me. And that's what Emery said as well. He said it's Villa needs to finish top seven next season again because that's, you know, maintaining standards. Hmm. And if we can win the Conference League, if we win it, can win an FA Cup or a League Cup, then that's great because Villa are only going to progress in terms of their squad, in terms of their depth as the years go on. There's a lot to look forward to, and I just, I just want to temper expectations ever so slightly. Just because we've done well in pre-season doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to finish or compete for the Champions League. It might happen, who knows? But it's a long season. Mm. Well, I want you to nail down your specific predictions for our season preview show next week. So get, get your thinking cap on of where we actually I've, will I've, finish and commit to I've something. I've, 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 I could commit right now if you want me to. No, no, save it, save it. I think we should put them like a little envelope or something as like a secret prediction. Like, I think this will happen, but we'll open it at the end of the year just to see where you, we are. You think we're getting top four, don't you? Well, fifth potentially gets your Champions League this season. Yeah, we need to work that out because I don't know if it means Villa would get Champions League for the finish fifth or not. I think it's if like a United or something finish fifth, but I could be wrong. How does that work? Surely it's just whoever finishes fifth, not who, who because is they have Because they have a very good coefficient. I don't know if it's done on club coefficient or the league. league. I don't know. Right, okay. I, I'm not sure, but I... I'm not sure if Villa would finish if they get Champions League. Maybe, but we should. Well, let's let's work, work that out, out for next season for for next week. So I don't. I think Villa could finish fifth. So if that gets Champions League, that's doable. Two more things I want to talk about: uh, specific individuals, and I think we're probably done for this this show. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about Coutinho. I don't think we really spoke about him for the Brentford game, though that was his kind of first proper glimpse of football in the US. It felt a very easy link. He was a bit out of favour at Villa. Steven Gerrard now manages in Saudi, where they got bucket loads of money. Coutinho goes to Saudi, Villa get some decent money for him. His wages off the wage bill. Everyone's happy. He's come back and looked fit and sharp and p- can probably offer something to, to Villa under Emery. And if he can stay fit, I think he is, if he's committed and, and wants to stay, etc. I think he could be a valuable asset for us as we're talking about it being a very long season. So just talk me a little bit through your thoughts on Coutinho, specifically last night against Lazio and his kind of role for the season ahead. He didn't make too much of an impact in the USA. I think that's because he was coming back from... Uh, a bit of a knock. He trained for the first yeah. few days on his own. But yeah, against Lazio, he was really positive. He made a, made a good impression. He played for 45 minutes in the second half and was picking up pockets. He, he was playing in, in a role which I think suited him best because he had uh, Luca Dean or then Seb Revan as, as a left-back behind him. So there wasn't too much defensive responsibility because he also had a double pivot behind him as well. So he wasn't tracking back much. Uh, as in, because he didn't need to. And he was just supporting the striker, Cameron Archer. So he was, yeah, picking up pockets, getting shots off, trying to work things. He looked confident and, and that's what you want from Coutinho. Like if Coutinho is one fit and two confident, that's nearly the Coutinho that we know that can, you know, have a real impact on a team. So, and again, that's another layer things. to the depth, doesn't it? If he's playing off the left yeah. and that's Jacob Ramsey's role or Alex Moreno's role or yes. Ewan Tiedemann's role, or he's playing off the striker and that's Moussa Diaby's role or Leon Bailey's role, yeah. like all of a sudden you go, we are absolutely yeah. stacked in these forward options now. I think 12 months ago, we were all talking about Buendia being, um, that's the one creative spark we have in the team. And if, if Buendia doesn't play, then 
we've got no chance. Now it's Buendia, yeah. McGinn, Diaby, uh, Bailey and other players that we have. There's and the shoulders have got better at being more creative as well and, that, and you need that as well. It's bizarre. Over the summer as well, he was working hard in Brazil with a personal trainer. So he obviously trying to get back into shape. He missed basically all of the... Um, not all of the season, most of this, uh, the final third of the season, I suppose it was, after the Arsenal game, which he scored in. So the last Premier League game he played, and he played very well. Who knows? We need to see it in the Premier League to sort of trust him again. I did write a piece about it saying that without Ramsey in the team, this is his opportunity to take that starting spot now. But he doesn't need to start every game to make an impact. As you say, Danny, he can play in the Conference League. And if he makes... Uh, you know, telling contributions in those games, then so be it. Again, that's why you have depth in your team. If, if Coutinho plays well, then you don't have to rely on Jacob Ramsey or another player to play in those games. They can then play against Burnley or Palace or whoever it may is be. It Burnley is your example of like a tough game? No, <laughs> no but Burnley always scares me. I read the piece you referred to there about Coutinho and you mentioned in that about Watkins kind of being like that could break Benteke's record of 90 goals in a, in a in a that might have that, that might have seemed weird because he obviously missed his penalty. But I was just watching him during the game and the goal that he scored. It just hits you that he's so hungry to score goals these days. Like, yeah, I was going to say I don't the goal was very good. Yeah, it's very good. But it's something that he does all the time. Watkins, he, he always makes that run, cuts inside, tries to get a shot off. And I don't know if previous years it hasn't always worked, but like he's so determined just to score goals now. Like he's turned himself, especially under Emery, into a player that's just. He's determined to score and he's so hungry to make an impact on the game. Like when it went, he's not a penalty specialist and he probably shouldn't be taking penalties, but it's hard to knock him in a way because we don't have many other penalty takers anyway. I, I think he'll get 20 goals next season. I really do if he stays fit because the amount of chances he's going to have as well. But he's just, he looks, um, he looks scary. Like he, he's, he's relentless in his running as well. He's, he's powerful, he's strong, he's quick, he's athletic, and in his finishing chances as well. Three goals in five in pre season, which means, you know, very little really. But basing it off what we saw last season in the Premier League. I think he'd get 20. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point with Watkins. I know there's a little bit of kind of murmurs online at the moment about him not signing his deal yet and does that mean he's, okay. he's on the way out and all those kind of things. I don't know anything, but I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think he's that kind of character. I think that will be resolved at some point in his new deal. Let's talk about like him running down his deal so we can leave on a free to a better club. I just don't, I don't really buy that at the moment, but I understand the kind of questions about if he wants to say, why hasn't he signed it? You know, other players have signed new deals and I expect Watkins will sort his out. The penalty thing is interesting that you mentioned and that was going to be the, the topic that I brought up. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but I don't think his penalty record has been great over the years. I think he's scored as many as he's missed, which you can't really rely on. It's natural, isn't it, for your striker to take the penalties because they're the goal scorer. So if Ollie Watkins scores 12 or 13 goals from open play and five or six penalties per season, that's how he kind of boosts his numbers up a little bit and, and that's that's the way to do it. It's almost a Watkins advantage that his goals tallies have been so high over the last couple of years without penalties. <laughs> I think Watkins is a very good striker and he's, a, he's turned into a... a, a I'm not saying lethal goal scorer, but heading that way under Emery, at least, like you say about that yeah. kind of determination. Yeah. I don't think he'll get 20 league goals. I think he'll get 20 goals in all competitions because I think we'll go yeah. into more games. Okay. And again, I'm going to save this for next week. I think there'll be a different top goal scorer in the league for Villa this year. And you can probably have a guess who it is, but I'm going to save it because it might be really? a shout. I don't think Watkins will be top scorer this season in the league. What? Why? No. Because I think there'll be somebody else who does it. <laughs> Watkins is the main man. He's the number nine. It was like last season, I think. And I know Danny Ings, when he left, he was the top scorer. But 
I couldn't quite understand that one. I was just think Watkins year after year will be our top scorer. No, double figures, no. 15 goals minimum, in my opinion. We'll talk about that next week. The penalty <laughs> thing is is a problem now, I think. We've scored. We've, yeah, it we've, is missed, we've missed two of three in pre-season. Archer yeah. missed against Fulham. Obviously, Watkins last night. Watkins did score one against Warsaw, so he's yeah. one missed, one scored so far. I say it's a problem. I don't know if that's a bit it of a... Problem. Yeah, I was going to say... Well, probably we're going to have a penalty kick taker. But it, if yeah, we get it, five penalties yeah. in a season, <laughs> you have to score five. Those are key moments in games. If we want to go far next you know you have to take every opportunity and we don't we don't have confidence in a player to do it hmm. don't get me wrong Watkins if if he takes four penalties next season he might score three but you want a penalty kick taker that you can rely on I'm surprised you Thielemans, Barry, don't you? I thought Tielemans was a penalty kick taker to be honest I, I thought so anyway maybe I'm wrong yeah but Watkins has stepped up in it I don't know what the situation is but I'm also thinking about European competitions and cup competitions. If we're in a penalty shootout, That's we have a fantastic stuff. goalkeeper if Martinez is playing, but it doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence with the players that we have. Who would you give your penalty? If if you if we took a penalty against Newcastle, 90th minute, nil-nil, <laughs> who are you giving it to? I've got Gareth Barry come back or James Milner no. because they were consistent every single time. The obvious choice is to give it to your striker because they are the goal scorer. But like I said, I'd, I think Watkins, is, I saw someone say earlier, so I can't verify it, but he scored four, missed six or something like that in his career. I don't know if that's that's right or not. I don't, I don't know overall. I know he's missed. Um, he missed a penalty against West Ham, didn't he, in mm. his first season, and he missed against Liverpool away. I don't know if that counts the preseason games either. But again, oh, record no. at best, I'd say it's probably fifty-fifty scores, fifty percent. Yeah, 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 it's about fifty percent chance. Which again is not reliable enough to. If I've got to bet my house on who scores against Newcastle, I'm not giving it to Ollie Watkins. But then. Because we haven't got a sample size of the other players to give it to, it's like, well, I'll, I'll give it to Douglas Ruiz because he, he's good on set pieces. But might be crap at penalties, so it's a risk, isn't it? I'd, I would uh, suspect Louise or Tiedemans could probably take a decent penalty, and I would imagine McGinn probably could as well, possibly. Yeah, you know what, McGinn would because he just leather it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know. But then you think, well, if McGinn can take a decent penalty, why can't Ollie Watkins? I'd give so, it to Paul Torres. <laughs> Thomas is a decent shout to that. Imagine how, that. Like, 90th minute penalty to win the FA Cup and Paul Torres steps up. You'd be going, what the hell? You'd be so relaxed, like just, just finesse it into the top corner. The one thing I would say is that he's changed how he takes them Watkins against Liverpool, against Warsaw, and against uh, whoever we played last night, Lazio. The way he strikes the ball now, it's different. And his penalty against Walsall was really good. I don't yeah. doubt him that in training, he's probably scoring a lot of them. It's just doing it in a game and. Maybe yesterday was just unfortunate and he will start to score much more penalties. So we'll see. And But it is an issue because we're not confident in in who's taking the penalties. So, yeah, ending it on a negative, which is a shame. I was, I was literally about to say, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I didn't really want to end it on yeah. who, why are we crap at penalties? I mean, I oh, I've got a shout much. out. Oh, go on. Let's, all right, let's do that. Got shout out. Yeah, on, shout out. Shout out. Well, I saw a few fans actually at the games, but I didn't ask for everyone's name, unfortunately. Um, but shout out to Matt. Matt watches the podcast from work usually, so hope you're enjoying your shift, mate. <laughs> if you're watching the podcast from work again, and nice to see you, and I really appreciate all the, all the people who come up and say like thanks for the hard work and the podcast. It's great, and all those different things. It, it really does mean a lot to us, and it's nice to know that the. You know, I mean, this isn't we're just doing a podcast. It's not hard work at all, but um, the stuff that we're putting in, it's nice to get the feedback and and the nice comments as well. So, 
Thanks for that, and thanks to Matt. There we go. Now we have ended on a positive. Lovely yeah. stuff, John. Thank you for that. Uh, like we said, there'll be no post-match show for the Valencia game, um, but your usual written content will be there on Birmingham Live and at, on our social channels as well. Um, our next Clark and Blue show will be Monday at some point. Do you know what time the Conference League draw is? Because obviously that depends on when we do the show. No, I've, I've been trying to find out, but we don't know yet. I don't know if the Europa League draw is also happening on that day, but usually the Conference League is after, so I think it could be beyond 11am. Might be Monday afternoon into Monday evening when we release our show, but we're just going to chat about who Villa have got and just some general thoughts on the season ahead. And then we'll be recording our pre-season preview next week as well, which will also come out probably Wednesday or Thursday. And then it'll be the Newcastle presser, the Newcastle post-match, and we'll be fully into the swing of things. And uh, hopefully we're talking about three three points of Villa this time next week. Give or take a day or two. Um, John, thanks for your time. As always, really appreciate it. And thanks everyone who's watching along with the Clark Blue podcast or listening on your audio platforms. Um, We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Have a great weekend.